Good morning. I'm Chad Bowen, and I'm the pastor of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church in downtown Winona. We're really glad that you're engaging God's Word with us this morning, and we pray that you will hear God speak. I'm excited for you to hear today's sermon, which is preached by our pastoral intern, Sidney Nelson. It's thoughtful and challenging. Most of all, it's faithful. We want you to know that we're praying for you. We also want you to know that we covet your prayers as well. We hope that you'll pray for our whole church as we continue to discern how to do the most faithful ministry that we can in this season. We hope that you'll pray that God will be prompting you to worship, to grow, and to serve in this and every season. We hope that you'll expect God to answer. One way that God's grace has continued to be apparent to our church in this season is by the generous and steady gifts that people like you have given to sustain our ministry. If you'd like to give, you can bring a gift by the office Monday to Thursday during office hours, or you can mail a check to our P.O. Box 467 in Winona, or you can give on our website, morememorialumc.com. If you'd like to engage more fully with our ministries and keep up with what's going on, look us up on Facebook, or give us a call in the church office, or send me an email, chad, C-H-A-D, at morememorialumc.com to get added to our email list. May God bless you today.
Let us pray. Father God, you are so good in so many ways. Um, Lord, you are invited into this space, into this time. God, I pray that your voice would resonate and that we would hear it. In the times where things seem um, unbalanced, where things seem miscued, um, and the normalcy that we once knew and held on to just seems a little bit more distant than we'd like. God, I pray that you would come near and stand in the midst of us and help us see that you are the consistency. You are the constant. You are the love that is unfailing and unwavering. May we hear that and see that every day. May we also experience that and hear that as we hear your message and your voice. Jesus, it is through your words and through your life that we get to pray this. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. And whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So a question would be, how do we bring glory to God? There are many ways that we can do that. Um, but Peter is kind of fleshing out here what it means to bring glory to God through a motive of love and by action of our spiritual gifts. It may help to kind of unpack what it means for love to cover a multitude of sins as we move forward. In verse 8, above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. That could be read, interpreted, and even applied a number of different ways. Love could be the literal bandage that is applied to sin. It could be the balancing scale that sets good and bad deeds on an even platform. Or it could be the cure for sin itself. Love is something that Peter here is talking about more as a motive. Love is a bandage. If we see love as a bandage that simply covers up sin, then we're not looking at what's underneath. Bandages work for stopping bleeding or keeping the wound covered for a certain amount of time. But bandages must be cared for by either being removed or changed out. If we think about or if you've seen a bandage that hasn't been changed out or cared for, you know what happens underneath. It begins to harbor infection, and it keeps that infection pressed up against that wound, and it even keeps it hidden. What was supposed to heal the wound now causes infection and makes the wound worse. If we see love as just a covering for sin, then we could easily use love as a way to hide the wound of sin under a bandaged covering until the infection of a sinful life spreads and becomes life-threatening. If we read it as love as a balancing scale, 
to the sins that we commit or the sins of those around us that they commit, then we're losing the weight of what Christ has done by dying on the cross. Take, for instance, the all-too-familiar sense of road rage. Imagine yourself driving to a charity function hosted by your church. This is a good and wholesome thing, and you have a delightfully loving heart to share towards such a cause. As you are driving to the function, an 18-wheeler begins merging onto your lane without warning and pushes you off onto the shoulder. Out of your mouth comes all kinds of colorful language and unkind slurs. You get to the event and serve the function as if that moment along the journey there never happened. We may be inclined to say that our service to the good counteracts the moments of weakness and sin. This way of addressing love covering sin diminishes Christ's grace and puts good works as the ultimate goal. If we start looking at love as a means of simply counteracting and playing catch-up for our sins, then sin never actually got defeated by Christ's death on the cross. It instead just became tolerated. Love cannot be the counterweight to sin because it has already been eradicated. Love as the antidote or the cure, or in this instant, I like to say the anti-venom. No matter what the ailment, we could run to Christ and get the anecdote. Antidote. This is true for the most part, but what keeps us from continuing to run towards sin and then turning right around to run to Christ for the cure? This brought to mind something that I learned at camp that I thought was really interesting. Something about snakes that I never knew. Uh, especially the snakes in our local area, copperheads, cottonmouths, the snakes we're familiar with. A snake bite doesn't immediately cause death, at least in most cases. Um, in fact, you can go a long time with a bite before getting, um, before getting the antivenom or before infection or detrimental spread set in. But it's the searing pain from the venom and the serious potential infection from the bite that are the things that offer some of the greatest immediate concern. There's antivenom ready and a reasonable amount of time to get help. But is the pain and the potential infection and the potential life-threatening results really worth going around and allowing yourself to get bitten by a snake? We can run to Christ and get the antivenom or the antisenom each time we get bitten by sin. But why would we not seek to live a life that avoids such snakes in our path? Why use love as an antivenom to cover up the true issue of not living a life meant to live away from sin when we can rest next to the one who is using love as the means of healing? And finally, we get to love as the motive. We could read this text and see that Peter is trying to show us that love can be both an action and a motive. And it's all wrapped up in one person who is Christ. Why we do something is just as important as doing the thing itself. In verse 9, Peter tells us to love others without complaining. Not only are we called to action, but the motive behind that action is vitally important. The motive behind why we do something is the groundwork to everything that we do in the first place. Christ's love is his motive for dying on the cross so that we may all be set free from the bondage of sin. It is his love that leads him to shower us in his righteous blood so that our sins may be covered and our souls made new. 
It is his love that opens a way for us to be in community with God as his children and the co-heirs to the kingdom. It is Christ's love and motive of love that leads him to extending the unfathomable and ever-present gift of the Holy Spirit. Love is the motive behind why sins are covered, and the means of covering those sins comes through the transcendence of the Holy Spirit's many gifts poured out into all of us through the love and grace of the Christ by way of the Father. Love being the motive leads us into Peter's next point within this passage, in which he calls us to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God and to serve one another with the gifts we have been given. The manifold grace of God came through the action of Christ's death on the cross, brought about by the motive of an unfailing love for humanity. So as we move forward, we're going to unpack verse 10 a little bit. Part of the gift of grace that was given to us through Christ's death was not only salvation, but also an identity made possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are not only given the gift of salvation and the gift of God's grace, but we are also given the gift of the Holy Spirit, who in turn grants each person their own individual gifts. A way that I like to think about this is the stacked pyramid of champagne flutes or glasses um, and as they stack, you have the one at the top and then the four underneath and the nine, and it keeps on going however tall you want the pyramid. And at the top, they pour whatever liquid is going into the glasses. Um, and it eventually will be dispersed evenly throughout all of them. We could kind of think of Christ pouring the Holy Spirit into the first glass, and as that glass overflows, it pours into the rest of us. In the same way, and God's maybe the one holding the bottle of the liquid and pouring into the rest. In the same way of the gifts and the Holy Spirit dispersing throughout all of us, so are the spiritual gifts that are within us. And we're going to unpack some about spiritual gifts a little bit. But what does being a good steward of these gifts even mean? Or being a good steward of God's grace? What if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are? What if I don't have any spiritual gifts? What if I mess up trying to serve because I don't know what my gifts are? Or how do I even serve in a time like this where we can't be close to the ones that we want to be or in community like we're used to? Let's unpack what being a good steward is. Stewardship can often be associated with the care of material things. Most commonly, we tend to relate stewardship with offering. It is a part of that. But why we make sure the material things are cared for, there is also an important part of making sure that spiritual things are cared for. The last part of that phrase, it has been given to us, is an important one to hone in on. Being a steward means caring for something that is not rightfully yours. Christ left us the Holy Spirit, and by way of the Holy Spirit, we have each been granted a spiritual gift. It is our responsibility to care for and nurture those gifts. Our spiritual gifts are ours to use by motive of Christ, like love to ensure that actions that bring glory to the kingdom are taking place. Spiritual gifts. We all have them. If you are a child of God, you have a spiritual gift. All those who have accepted the truth of salvation and invited Christ into their hearts have received a spiritual gift. Peter makes that clear by reinforcing that to each of us have received a 
gift, and we are to use that in good steward, as a good steward um, to serve the kingdom. Paul goes further to explain it in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. We go back to our pyramid model of the flowing liquid. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, uh, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So there's no way that you do not have a spiritual gift unless you have not yet claimed your identity as God's child. And even then, there's one waiting in the wings for you when you do. If you are unsure what your gifts may be, it's okay to ask those around you to seek for discernment, to ask God to show you. In fact, this would be a great thing to discuss and dig into with your small group. Maybe those that you're close to can help you. Sometimes it takes the discernment of others to share with us where our spiritual gifts are or what they may be. As for messing up in serving, the beautiful thing about these gifts is that they aren't ours to begin with. They're more or less loaned to us, and we are good stewards of them as we use them. God understands that we may not understand our gifts or know what they are, but this goes back to the very beginning of addressing why we are even moved to serve. A motive of love compels us to action, and there is grace within that action, taken when it is geared towards the glory of the kingdom. Think of the Good Samaritan Law. The Good Samaritan Law states that anyone who tries to offer aid to one in need and unintentionally inflicts harm is forgiven good to the good due to the good nature of the action, aka the motive of the action was good and for love within itself. Therefore, not knowing your gift, or maybe not knowing how to use your spiritual gifts, does not mean that God still doesn't look forward to you trying to serve the kingdom and be a good steward of caring for his children. It just means that there is grace even in times when we are not sure what to do. It all goes back to the motive. On the flip side of this, the Good Samaritan Law does not excuse those who have formal training that neglect to act in a time of crisis or need. It would be cruel and disregarding for one to not step in and use their skills to help save a life. The same can be said of God's expectation of us. The motive of love should compel us to action no matter our awareness of our gifts or how to use them. But even more so should we be compelled by love to serve if we are aware of our gifts. If you have a gift of wisdom, why would you not impart your wisdom onto others and to help counsel? If you have a servant's heart, why would you not find ways in which you can enact the strength of God into service? If your strengths are in business or administration, why would you not join the leadership, impart not only your spiritual leadership and your spiritual faith, but also your wisdom into running different organizations, maybe in an ethical and Christian manner? There are various and multitude of ways in which you can impart your gifts onto others, but if you know what they are, 
It is our job and our call to use them. Therefore, spiritual gifts are brought about by the initial gift of the Holy Spirit and enacted by the motive of love. That love is made known to us by the love that was manifested in the very beginning with Christ himself. Leads us to the last question. But what about serving right now? In all sincerity, the means in which we are used to serving are hard and they're skewed. Everything is. Serving right now is hard. It's not what we're used to. It's not the climate we're used to. Using our gifts right now is something that we just don't know how to navigate quite yet. We can own the reality of that, and that's okay. We can share together in the discouraging atmosphere of our current circumstances. Again, that's okay. But we cannot cease to try, and we cannot cease to reach for hope. God's manifold grace and boundless love is constant. Even in times like now where nothing seems to have a sense of consistency, there is something that has been constant even before time was a construct. Peter calls us to a constant love and calls us to serve one another. In times where nothing seems to be normal, maybe there's room for creativity to serve and share our gifts in a way that's not normal. We can channel our inner spiritual Bob Ross and seek creative solution and place happy trees even amidst the mishaps of our current situations. In other words, we will find, and I am hopeful and joyful in this, creative ways to use our gifts to serve and love, even if it's not the way we hoped, intended, or are used to. So what does all of this lead to? Peter has wrapped this segment up with the most crucial message of all, that all of our actions through way of spiritual gifts are done for the glory of God the Father. None of the deeds we take part in are of ourselves or for the glory of ourselves. Instead, we are given the heart for God's children by way of following Christ, who set the initial way by doing everything out of a motive of and for love. This motive of love is what covers sin, because it is love that compels us, leads us, motivates us, and guides us into the action of the kingdom. By way of this motive of love, we are called to an action that uses our spiritual gifts. The action we are called to is that of using our gifts to serve the kingdom in ways that maybe we don't even know yet. As we use these gifts, we are also called to remember that they aren't ours. They weren't ours to begin with, and they won't be ours even after we're gone. But the result and the seeds that are planted by using our gifts. While those still won't be ours, they are a part of the kingdom which we are co-heirs of. They are a part of bringing heaven and earth a little bit closer to each other. Hence, Peter reminds us that in the end, the most important thing to cherish is that none of the work we do is for our glory. It's for God's. Our reason for loving, our motive for loving, our means of using our spiritual gifts for loving, Our spiritual gifts themselves, they aren't ours. We simply reside as good stewards of these things and are called to use these things as God guides through the Holy Spirit. We wield our gifts by means of God's manifold grace. 
given to us to be good stewards of, and we agree to be good stewards because we have agreed to accept our identity as a set-apart people and as strangers in a familiar land. We are called and compelled to good stewardship of God's grace through a motive of love for not only our Father, but also his children. This love leads us into enacting our already present gifts, whether we know what they are or not, because the glory of the kingdom is the ultimate goal. It will be now, it has been before we were here, and it will be forever. Let us pray. Father God, it can be easy sometimes um, to lose sight of the fact that we can serve even in the midst of circumstances that are unfamiliar. It can be easy sometimes to lose sight of the fact that you are constant and consistent. Lord, you are unwavering. You have been who you are and always will be from the beginning of the ages until um, for the expanse of time. Lord, you're universal and constant in your grace and your love, and you have given to each one of your children a beautiful gift that cycles back into loving your children and bringing glory to you and to your kingdom, which is in and of itself bringing glory to love. May we hold tight to that, even in times where it's hard, that you are good. May we find peace in knowing that our Father does not waver, and when we come to you, We know that you are constant. Would you give us the grace and the wisdom to be good stewards of not only the material blessings, but the spiritual blessings that you put on this earth? May you open our ears and our hearts, guide our feet, guide our eyes, so that we may listen and be guided by the Holy Spirit who's ever-present and always consistent as well. Christ, it is through your death and resurrection, that we have means of even participating in such a wonderful honor. We thank you for that. Be with us now. Be with all of us as we go throughout our days. Guide our hearts. Hold our lives in your hands. Bring us peace and remind us of the joy and the love of who you are. In Christ, it's in your name that we pray this. Amen.
Thanks for joining Moore Memorial UMC for worship today. All scripture readings have come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. Now may you go forth to be good stewards of the grace of God. May you live this week as those who have encountered Jesus, whose love covers a multitude of sin. And may you love as Jesus has loved, so that you might give him all of the glory and honor both now and forever. Amen.